the NBA regular season is about to start. As the MLB playoffs are going on, I wanted to do an NBA preview uh, episode or two. We'll do one for the Eastern Conference and the Western Conference to project how I have those teams uh, expected in the standings. Last year, I did something very similar. So we're going to do this year's version with a lot of hot takes in here. Without further ado, let's get started. I want to thank each and every one of you for listening or watching this episode of the podcast. If you are listening on a podcast app, thank you very much. We're also live on YouTube. All of these episodes are going up. Um, every single podcast episode is going up to the channel. You can find us if you search Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast, or just check the description of wherever you're listening, and it should have the link there. You can also access uh, various platforms in the link, including our socials. You can find us on Instagram at Lots of Thoughts Sports on TikTok at Lots of Thoughts Sports, on Twitter at LOT Sports Pod, on Facebook, Lots of Thoughts, a sports podcast over there. You can visit our website, lotsofthoughts.godaddysites.com. There you can access the podcast, the YouTube, the newsletter, the uh, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, what haven't I mentioned, the merch, all on the website. So feel free to click over there, lotsofthoughts.godaddysites.com. Or like I mentioned in the description of the podcast or in the YouTube video as well. Um, this is an NBA play, uh, preview prediction and preview episode. We're starting first with the Eastern Conference, and we'll have another episode coming out soon on the Western Conference. A bit before we get started, I'm just going to go through the teams and, and their additions, their subtractions, and uh, how I see them playing out this year. But uh, I wanted to give a brief uh, discussion at the beginning of this. There is a giant race at the bottom of the NBA this year, and it's something that I think is kind of unprecedented. We have a, a crazy talent in Victor Wembanyama, and I encourage you, if you haven't seen highlights of him, if you haven't heard of him, just Google his name. Google Victor NBA prospect, and it'll come up because Wembanyama might be a bit hard to spell, but he's an incredible talent. If you're not familiar, he's seven foot four. He's got an eight foot wingspan. Um, and he handles the ball much like a small forward would. He's he's got an incredible shot. He's um, you know, he's hitting step back threes and taking the ball down the court, dunking while barely jumping. He's such an incredible talent, both offensively and defensively. And there will be teams that are desperate to get to the bottom of the rankings to draft him. I think that's a large reason that teams like uh, the Utah Jazz have taken this year as an opportunity to really finally tank. Because if they are the worst team in the league and they get that first overall pick, which it's a lottery, so you never know who's going to get it. But if they do get that opportunity, that'll be immense for them and for any team that does luck into it. So that'll be that'll be a theme throughout these episodes, especially in the Western Conference. There's more teams at the bottom tier, uh, not as much in the East, but I thought it was something that I talk about at the start. Scoot Henderson looked good in the preview game as well, uh, if you find highlights of that. Uh, but Victor looks incredible and any team should be excited to get the first overall pick. He's rated as the best prospect since LeBron by some, and some say that he's the best prospect in NBA history. I don't know if I buy into all that, but I could see him being a top end talent right away as if his health stays consistent. So that'll be a, a running theme throughout the bottom of these rankings. Without further ado, I wanted to get into this teams. I'm starting 
of course, this is the Eastern Conference episode. I'm starting 15 to one in the Eastern Conference. Um, and I'm going to keep looking down in this direction. If you're watching on YouTube, just to, you know, check on my notes. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to be able to remember everything that I wanted to talk about today. So if you look, if you see me look in that direction, that's what that's about. Uh, first, we have the Pacers. And I talk about teams that are tanking for Victor Wembenyama, And I think this is the only team that's honestly doing it in the East. Maybe more should be, but I think this is the only team that is. Uh, so far, gains this offseason, they've drafted Benedict Matherin, drafted Andrew Nembard, and a few others that you know I don't think are going to have significant rules. They've got Air, uh, Daniel Tyson, Aaron Neesmith in the trade that sent Malcolm Brogdon to Boston. And then in the loss category, obviously Brogdon, but they also lost Ricky Rubio as, to, as a free agent to Cleveland. But, uh, I mean, they never really had him. They just traded for him uh, after he got hurt with the Cavs, so it was more of a a contract situation and they lost TJ Warren to free agency of the Nets. I think for them, their young talent is clearly starting to build. I think the DeMontis bonus deal for Tyrese Halliburton was a big win for them. They got a really steady young talent. Um, I think trading Buddy Heald and Miles Turner could be their next way of getting some strong talent, whether that be in the Lakers deal for, you know, Westbrook and, and picks and then waving Westbrook or, whoever it may be, whatever picks it may be, whatever contender may take them on. I feel like there's another way to get more assets for the future. Good for them for finally rebuilding, by the way, they should have rebuilt several years ago, really when Paul George left and they never did. And so, you know, good for them for finally making that step. I do like the guard combo of Benedict Matherin, Tyrese Halliburton and Chris Duarte. I think it'll be interesting to watch. It'll be a fun conversation at hand, especially because none of them are really big enough to start it small forward. So they're going to have to kind of balance out the minutes. I, I do like Chris Duarte kind of as that fireball off the bench, but we'll see how they rotate them into the future. In all reality, five years down the road, we could be looking at one of these guys getting traded, but uh, as of now, they'll be fun to watch. I think overall this ranking at 15 is not an indication of their hopelessness, just that it's the stage in their process, right? They finally made the decision to trade away their assets to, you know, commit to the rebuild, which we were, were hesitant about being in Indiana. They don't have a huge fan base. They don't have a lot of attendance. So ownership was, you know, obviously concerned about that, but it's a smart decision. And I think they're going to ascend in the coming years, but this is just going to be one of those rebuilding years. And so that's why I have them at 15. Next up at number 14, I have a team that is not looking to be at 14. This is not one of those teams that's tanking for Victor Wembenyama, but it's just the situation and their circumstance. I think this next tier is kind of loaded in the East. And it's the Charlotte Hornets. They made minimal gains. They re-signed Cody Martin and drafted Mark Williams, but they lost Miles Bridges. Obviously, he's not coming back to the NBA after his domestic violence situation. But because Bridges is no longer with them, they lost their second best scoring option and really didn't replace him whatsoever. It, it, it's really so strange. I don't know if they just missed out on all free agents or they didn't know who to go after or they were waiting for a big trade, but I think James Book Knight's development is going to be a story and maybe it's the lack thereof of his development that's going to be the story. I feel like he was a valuable draft pick when they took him and they haven't developed him well enough and you just got to wonder how long you can sustain a team with Lamella ball and a bunch of nobodies before he starts to be, you know, concerned about the future of this team. They don't have enough top end talent. They don't have enough depth to keep up with this crowd in middle tiers. That's why I have them at 14. Obviously a disappointing, it was disappointing for them last year. They made the play in and kind of whippered out, 
Obviously, they made a coaching change, but I just don't believe in them overall, and so that's why I have them at 14th. Up next to 13th, I have the Magic. They got Paolo Benchero first overall, extended Gary Harris, re-signed Mo Bamba and Bull Bull, and they only lost Robin Lopez, although they didn't use him all too well last year. I think Paolo Benchero was a great pick first overall. He looks good so far um, in summer league and training camp and preseason. But I think his chemistry with their young core is really going to be the focal point of this season. You know, they have Cole Anthony, they have RJ Hampton, Markel Fultz to a lesser extent, uh, Jalen Suggs after he comes back from injury, Franz Wagner. They have a good young core building and Paolo adds to that. I think he'll be fun to watch. He won't be relied on too much to really initiate the offense. He can be that slasher, that, you know, guy who can get a bucket when he needs to, who can, you know, be a lob threat. I think he's going to be fun to watch down in Orlando. Their young core could really take a jump overall. I think all of them have decent amounts of talent and Paolo seems very NBA ready. So uh, they could be higher than 13th, but just because I haven't seen it yet, I, you know, don't think that they will be much higher if they do, if they make the play-in somehow, I think you could look to see Jamal Mosley's name in Coach of the Year discussions just because how awful they've been for years. I mean, who is the last, outside of you know a couple of seventh or eighth seed appearances in the playoffs, who is the last good Magic team? Dwight Howard, maybe? You know, it, it's been a long time since they've been in contention, and they've got a good young core that could be set up for the future. So, you know, 13th, like the Pacers, isn't necessarily an indication of hopelessness but it's just where i have them right now and i could easily see them taking a jump next year or even this year if if that young core does take that step up that i mentioned next up at 12 i have the detroit pistons similar situation right young team going on that they've definite gains on this offseason they drafted Jaden ivy drafted jalen duran they traded for alec burks traded for nerland's noel re-signed marvin bagley they lost jeremy grant in the trade but they have one of the better young cores in the league and they could take that jump up like the magic. I believe in Cade's talent a lot. I like Killian Hayes off the bench. I love Jaden Ivey next to Cade Cunningham. I think that's a great fit. Um, And I think Cade could have really a coming out show this year, which could propel them forward. Um, The Jeremy Grant trade, I think was a great one. I think this is exactly what every team who's expecting to lose should do. You don't have young players yet, right? Past few years don't have young players. So you bring in Jeremy Grant, who's that veteran presence. You pay him, pay him well, maybe more than any contending team would have. And as the salary cap increases, you hold on to him for a few years, let him show out with increased usage rate. And then you trade him to a contender that needs that extra piece. All of a sudden, since the salary caps increased, that contending team is fine with taking on that contract. And maybe they're desperate. Maybe Portland is uh, to get, you know, that extra star alongside Dame to try to compete. But I think this is, and you get these assets back for the future. I think this is the perfect move from a rebuilding standpoint. It's exactly what every team that's expecting to be bad should do in the NBA. And it was a great experience for them. Netted in Jalen Duran, who was really the second best big man in the draft, but behind Chet Holmgren, who we'll talk about uh, in uh, the next episode, the Western Conference episode. But I think he was the second best big man in the draft. And, you know, he was a great pickup for them. Really good compliment to their young guard core. Reminds me of the Jets a lot. I, I know this is a bit of a stretch, but I'm a Jets fan. And so it's, it's been on my mind recently where the Jets had this, you know, these several years of being bad. They traded away some assets, uh, notably Jamal Adams and got picks back. 
and they had quite a few early picks in this past year's draft. They drafted Brees Hall in the second round, and early on they drafted Sauce Gardner. They drafted uh, Garrett Wilson. They drafted Jermaine Johnson. They had a really great draft because they played their cards well as they were rebuilding. That's exactly what the Pistons did with Jeremy Grant, and this this draft could end up being a good one, Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, and they've got some good young pieces already. And so I think they could be in for a jump, but not a huge one. And next year we'll look to see that talent really develop. Uh, but that's why I have them at 12, just out of the plan. This, the next team, the closest to the plan, but not making it. I have is the wizards. They re-signed Bradley Beal. They got Will Barton and Monte Morris in the trade where they gave up Contavious Caldwell Pope. They also drafted Johnny Davis, but they did lose Thomas Bryant, KCP and Ish Smith via trade that same nuggets trade. The Bradley Beal contract sucks. And I, I don't mean it sucks because they overpaid him, but they did. But I, I mean, it sucks just because it's what they had to do. They paid him $250 million with a full no trade con, uh, you know, clause in their, in his contract. Because what other option was there? Were they going to let him walk? I, I mean, they should have traded him last year, in my opinion, and committed to a full blown rebuild, but they're not really content with doing that. And, you know, they made a, a win now trade, albeit losing a, a major piece in KCP. They got some depth back. Will Barton, you know, is, is definitely a piece that could play a role. Monte Morris is probably going to be their backup point guard with uh, Bradley Beal starting at that position now. But I feel like they don't know which direction they're going in. They don't have enough top end talent. I don't believe in Christoph Porzingis as another as a number two option. I don't believe in Bradley Beal as a number one uh, to make any noise. Their depth could keep them afloat enough, but I don't think they make the plan. Could they realize a rebuild is in store? Hopefully, but I doubt so. So, you know, who knows? I think I think out of all the teams that I'm talking about today, the Wizards fans should be the least hopeful out of all of them because their management really doesn't seem to know what they're doing. Next up at 10, just making the play-in, I have the Knicks. Disappointing season last year, but they did bring in Jalen Brunson. They re-signed Mitchell Robinson, brought in Isaiah Hartenstein, an underrated, really good pickup for them. Uh, they traded away Kemba Walker, Alec Burks, and New Orleans Noel, and let Taj Gibson walk in free agency in favor of giving minutes to Hartenstein and Jericho Sims. I like their moves a lot. Nothing drastic, but they made a key addition in Jalen Brunson. Overall, improved their roster. I think RJ Barrett's development is going to be key to their season. Right, he he took a significant step up last year. I think if he takes that step up in All Star status, they could be a little bit higher than this. I, I don't think they get out of the play in just because the top tier in the East is loaded, in my opinion. But overall, I think his development is key. I'm glad they didn't trade him for for Donovan Mitchell. I talked about that a little bit when the you know the Mitchell trade happened. If you want, go back and check out that video talking about the trade to the Cavs. We'll I'll talk about you know relatively soon, but. You know, if they could have got him without R.J. Barrett, then it would have been a smart move, but supposedly they couldn't. So I like that they kept on R.J. Barrett. I think he's a good pair next to Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle is another key storyline. His contract is awful. His value is at an all-time low right now. I could see them moving him, but at the same time, it would be a significant loss. Um, if he doesn't improve and there is you know, a similar level of interest, maybe flipping him for you know, a salary like Russell Westbrook where he they can get off of it quickly might be a smart idea. I don't know. They've gotten better for sure in the offseason. And, you know, that's indicated by the fact that I moved them up a few slots from where they were last year. I believe they finished 13th last year, uh, maybe 12th. 
in the standings. I had them at 10th, uh, but the rest of the East also got better. So that's why I couldn't bring them much higher. But, you know, an interesting team to watch for sure. So that's why I have them at 10. I think they'll make the play in. I don't know if they'll win a game, but, you know, I think it's a satisfactory performance given their talent level. Next up, we have the Bulls at number nine. One of the major storylines of last year, their gains, they added, I'm sorry, they re-signed Zach Levine, added Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic via free agency. They re-signed Derek Jones, drafted Dalen Terry. They lost Troy Brown Jr. in free agency to the Lakers, but this season comes down to what their core does, right? Unless DeMar continues on a major tear, they're going to have a regression. And I, I don't see him putting up another season like he did last year. Even if they did, even if he does, I think we saw in the back half of the season what they truly are. They're they're a middling team in the East. They're not quite in that upper tier, and that upper tier has really expanded over the past year and a half. So, you know, maybe that play toward the end of last year was more of an indicator of their talent, and that's why I have them at nine here. If Lonzo could ever get healthy, we could see what this core looks like. Lonzo and Caruso and DeMar and Levine and and Vucevic, but... He's going to be out for a large part of this season. Who knows if he'll even play this season. It's It really sucks because he's fun to watch. I think he has really not been given a fair shake till he got to Chicago, and now injuries have really been an issue for him. Vucevic has been an issue defensively for sure, and on a team that needed some impact defenders when Lonzo and, and Caruso went down, Vucevic was not that, but he is an expiring deal. If they feel they need to get off of him in the off season or in the middle of the season, they can do that. I don't think they will. I don't think their, their upper talent is good enough to propel them into that upper tier, which is why I have them at nine. Next up at number eight, we have the Raptors. This feels really low for the Raptors. I'm going to be honest. I really wanted to put them five or six, but I just couldn't. Uh, they re-signed Rick Boucher, or Chris Boucher, uh, extended that young, signed Otto Porter Jr. and Juancho Hernan Gomez in free agency, and they really lost nothing. Um, they have really good depth. Scotty Barnes is fun to watch, and if he takes a jump, this team could be even higher than I have them projected, but it, I really have trouble putting them up there without knowing. The starting lineup is good, right? You have Fred Van Vliet at point. Uh, I think still the addition of Gary Trent Jr. was something I'll talk about for the end of time. That trade was great for them uh, and bad for the Trailblazers. Uh, OG Ananobi, of course, Pascal Siakam and Scotty Barnes starting at center. I think their starting lineup is good. The depth isn't great, uh, but Scotty Barnes is, is incredible to watch. And if he takes a step up, you know, he could easily be an all-star this year. And that could really propel them if if Pascal Siakam is that all-NBA caliber player and Fred Van Vliet is that borderline all-star caliber player. They could be definitely higher than the eighth seed. Um, I have them making the play-in, but I think they'll definitely get out of it and uh, take one of the seventh or eighth seeds in the playoffs. Next up, I have the Hawks at seven, similar to the Raptors. I, this feels really low. Uh, they made major gains in the offseason, right? Traded for DeJounte Murray, traded for Justin Holiday, drafted AJ Griffin, uh, traded for Mo Harkless. Um, but at the end of the day, they also lost Gallinari. They also traded Kevin Herter, which was a confusing move in my mind. And they, they lost DeLon Wright to free agency. Overall, I'm really excited for the DeJounte Murray and Trey Young pairing. I think Trey plays better off the ball than most people give him credit for. I think people just assume because he has the ball in his hands that he's not going to be good off ball. But if he moves around a lot, he could play a lot like Steph Curry off ball, which I think is is not bad. I think it's a good situation to have. And DeJounte Murray is a good compliment. He also doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. So I think it could be a good pair. 
they have a high ceiling, right? I could easily see them making an Eastern Conference final. And I know that's high. There's a really high ceiling, but I think they I think they could reach that level of talent. I think they've got good depth, right? But what the season comes down to in my mind is whether Clint Capella could be that defensive anchor and complement their other impact defensive players. I talked about DeJounte Murray and his impact on the defensive side of the ball. Um, it's definitely there, but players like DeAndre Hunter, players like um, Onyeka Okongwu could really be unlocked if they have that guy, you know, in the middle, in the paint, protecting the rim, you know, blocking shots. And that's what Clint Capella was for a large majority of his career. And last year, he seemed to take a step back. Maybe it's his injuries. Maybe it's athletics. You know, athletically, he's declining. But if he's going to be able to take that step up again and, and really be that defensive anchor, they could be way higher than this. Jay Crowder also could be on the way for them, which I think would be an interesting piece. A lot of people have theorized that DeAndre Hunter could be in the return, but I don't I don't like that move for Atlanta. I think DeAndre Hunter is only moved for impact star. And um, since they already got an all-star caliber player in this offseason, I doubt that Hunter's going to be on the move for another one. But Crowder could be in for some other salary match. I'm not too sure on the logistics of that. And I think he'd be a good piece for them. I have them at seven, but they could be higher. I think both them and the Raptors definitely get out of the plan and, and take those seventh and eighth spots, no matter which one ends up in which. Next up at six, I have the heat. I, I know people are going to think this is low and I don't, I don't agree with that them in this case. I think this might be high for them. And I know they've been a top three seed, you know, a year after year, no matter the losses, but uh, let me talk about their off season. They re-signed Victor Lodipo, re-signed Caleb Martin, re-signed Dwayne Dedman, drafted Nikola Jovic. Uh, lost P.J. Tucker and Marquise Morris to free agency. This whole offseason felt like the Heat were ready to make a big trade. Felt like they were they were poised for that Kevin Durant, you know, addition or that Donovan Mitchell addition, and it just never happened. And it, it felt like they were waiting for that moment, and then when the music stopped, they were left without a chair, and they didn't make major upgrades. I don't know who's starting at power forward. Uh, is it Caleb Martin? Is it Max Struess? Is it is it Jimmy Butler? He said it's not him. But I don't know who's starting at power forward for the Miami Heat. I don't know who's playing power forward minutes. It feels like they have no power forwards on the roster right now. Uh, Jovic could be valuable just because they desperately need depth at that position. But he seems a bit raw from what I've seen of him. And, you know, who knows what kind of impact he makes. I realize this is a low ranking, but they lost key pieces in a key position. They have no solid replacements. And unless Lowry really takes that step back to where he was before last season, I, I don't see them as, as real title contenders. I think their talent will keep them, you know, at the sixth seed, obviously, but I don't know if they win more than one round in the playoffs. If that, I just don't believe in this iteration of the heat team. Next up at number five, they have the Cavs. wanted to put them higher, but, I didn't end up doing it. Uh, they obviously traded for Donovan Mitchell in the offseason, extended Darius Garland, and they got Ricky Rubio and Robin Lopez in free agency. Two underrated moves, in my opinion. Uh, they lost Colin Sexton and Laurie Markinen in the trade to get Donovan Mitchell. One of the bigger winners of the offseason, right? Donovan Mitchell was a surprise move to go to the Cavs. Everyone thought he was going to the Knicks. Uh, big, big swing, and their young core is locked up for a long time, right? We have Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, uh, Isaac Okoro, uh, who am I missing? Is that it? 
I think that's it. Karis Levert, I, I wouldn't really consider him part of the young core, but they have good depth, right? Off the bench. So if you think of their starters as Garland, Mitchell, um, either Okoro or Levert, and then Mobley and Allen, then they have the other of Okoro or Levert, Ricky Rubio, Kevin Love, Robin Lopez off the bench, and then they'll probably stagger um, Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell's minutes to give at least one of them you know, time on the floor as a, as a main scoring option at all times. I really, really like the offseason for them, and I think they could be a real title contender. Um, I think the regular season will be kind of a feeling out point, which is why I couldn't really put them higher. But I would not at all be surprised if they have a championship in store this year or next or in the near future. This young core is only getting better, and I think they're good complements to one another. The Cavs did a rebuild right. When LeBron James left, they tore everything down. They did exactly what you should do in a rebuild and, a you know, Shout out to them and their management office. They've done a really good job, but I have them at number five, nonetheless. Number four, um, I have the Nets and my Nets bias wanted to rank them higher, right? But uh, they made good gains in the offseason. They signed TJ Warren out of free agency, traded for Royce O'Neal, brought in Markeith Morris and re-signed Nick Claxton and Patty Mills. But they did lose Drummond Brown and uh, Bruce Brown and Goran Dragic via free agency. I think... Their gains that I've talked about are not the significant gains they'll be making. I think getting Ben Simmons back and healthy and playing meaningful basketball and getting Joe Harris back and, you know, being a good role player, making good shots is going to be key for them. Um, This is the best situation Ben Simmons could have been and could be in his career, right? You have incredible spacing around him. Think about this. He's going to play in lineups with Joe Harris, Seth Curry, Royce O'Neal, uh, Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. Um, there, there's incredible shooting. TJ Warren, Cam Thomas. There's incredible shooting options on this team that will allow him the spacing to be able to roam down the middle of the court. The big obstruction to that is Nick Claxton. And I don't love their fit next to each other. And it's a large reason why I can't rank them higher. Maybe Claxton gets flipped in a deal for a guy like Miles Turner or... You know, I don't know what other path there is to getting a shooting big alongside Ben Simmons. Maybe Ben Simmons is the big. Maybe he is a you know a center on defense and a and a point guard on offense. But he's in his best situation to succeed, and he really needs to be aggressive in this offense for them to have success. Overall, the talent should keep them afloat, assuming no major dramatic issues, which they could happen. Uh, I think they become dangerous in the postseason. Uh, like I said, the three-point spacing is incredible. And the, the off-season moves that they made really are great compliments to their core, their big three. And so that's why I, I don't think they necessarily stress about getting a high seed in the regular season, but I still think they're a threat in the playoffs. And so I have them at number four. Next up at number three, we have the Eastern Conference champions, Boston Celtics. They added Malcolm Brogdon and Danilo Gallinari. Uh, in the offseason, Brogdon via trade and Gallinari via free agency. They lost Tyson Neesmith in that Malcolm Brogdon trade. The Celtics made solid improvements to areas that were obvious holes, right? Last season, we saw they needed a backup point guard and they needed solid power forward play. You saw that really when Robert Williams went down, Al Horford kind of had to play those center minutes and they didn't have a guy who could really replace him. And in terms of point guard play, when Marcus Smart was on the bench, the best creator was Derek White, who's really more of a combo guard. I'd almost rather play him at small forward than point guard. So it was a situation for them that wasn't great. And, you know, they they tried to address them. They tried to address these holes, right, with with Horford signing at the beginning of the year with 
bringing in Derek White halfway through in the trade deadline, which I love as a move. But I think Malcolm Brogdon really fills that point guard hole really well. I, th- I feel like he could be starting by season end, but I, he'll start coming off the bench. I should say he'll start the season coming off the bench, if that makes sense. Um, I think Gallon Irv is an underrated pickup. He's a little past his prime, but he could play valuable minutes for them off the bench. They made actual major improvements, and that's going to be key. Another key that I think is going to be interesting is the culture, right? Ime Adoka is not going to be coaching them this year. And that whole drama and that situation could play out very differently for them, and they could be a lower seed. Uh, but I think their top end talent, Jason Tatum's incredible. He's a top 10 NBA player. Jalen Brown is an all-star caliber player. Marcus Smart's an incredible defender, albeit a bit floppish, but um, I have to poke my fun as a Nets fan. I think their depth should be enough to keep them in a lot of games where they really shouldn't be. And having two bona fide killers in, in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, I think will win them a lot of games. So that's why I have them at three. Next up, number two, the Philadelphia 76ers. This is a team that I think is going to care a lot about the regular season. And so maybe their talent shouldn't keep them at number two, but that's why I have them here. They made major gains in the offseason, and it's in large part because James Harden took a lesser contract. Whether that be his true market value or not, you know, maybe that's your own opinion. But they re-signed James Harden, brought in P.J. Tucker via free agency, as well as Daniel House in free agency, and traded for DeAnthony Melton. In that trade, they gave up Danny Green, and they also lost DeAndre Jordan free agency who gives a crap. Um, they added great depth at the end of the day. PJ Tucker, DeAnthony Melton, Danwell House, I thought were all great additions to a team that looked to not have depth after the Ben Simmons, James Harden trade last year. They gave up Drummond, they gave up Curry, and those were big pieces for them. And they made major improvements in this offseason. I think they're going to be a good regular season team that blows a lot of people out. And Bede's a real enforcer. He's going to be an MVP candidate. I don't think he wins it this year, but with their scoring capabilities, they're going to blow a lot of teams out. And the back end of their rotation is really going to be better than a back end of a lot of teams' rotations that they're going to face. Um, this may be a hot take, but I think in the playoffs, they're only going to be a championship contender if Tyrese Maxey is their second best player. And he could be, he could be. And let me, let me say that this, he needs to be the second best player because he's taken a step up and not because James Harden has taken a step down. He needs to be that second star, that all-star caliber player for them to have a real chance at a championship. I think I'm saying that because James Harden is not that superstar level talent anymore. He's a borderline all-star and Nowadays, no matter your depth, a borderline all-star is not good enough as your second best player to compete for a championship, no matter how good your best player is. And Joel Embiid is a top five or so player in the NBA, maybe a little bit past that. But if James Harden or Tyrese Maxey is not a solid all-star, then I don't know that this team could really compete for a championship, even if they're a higher seed in the regular season. Like I said, they're going to try hard in the regular season, so that's why I have them at two. Uh, but the playoffs are really be when their names are made, and we'll see what happens. And then number one, the only team we have left, obviously the Milwaukee Bucks, on sheer talent alone. It's going to be not a lot of effort, but just a regular season juggernaut of a team. And any team that has Giannis and Middleton and, and Holiday and the depth they have is going to be a juggernaut. They got Joe Ingles in free agency, extended Pat Connaughton, re-signed Bobby Portis, Wes Matthews, Javon Carter, and Serge Ibaka. They lost Rajon Tucker to international free agency. I believe he went to Australia. 
maybe Europe. I don't really remember. Uh, not, no major losses otherwise. I think they looked good last year when they were healthy. They lost in large part because Chris Middleton got hurt. And, they, you know, that's that's the playoffs. That's how it works. You know, they, they really only won their ring, in my opinion, because Kyrie Irving and James Harden got hurt. So, you know, you can't say anything about, about should have won, could have won, right? But they have the top end talent to be a championship contender year after year. No drastic moves should have been made and none were made and good for them. Uh, I think their additions were, well, I should say their only addition was Joe Ingles. I think, I think he was a good underrated signing and could be valuable for them in the starting lineup uh, or off the bench. If, you know, he proves that his shot is true. If he could be a quality role player, they've only gotten better from last year. I think Giannis really is an MVP contender this year. And I think he's my pick to win it. I think, you know, there's media narratives behind every MVP pick and they didn't want Giannis to repeat after two years, even though he had just as good of a season. Jokic won two years straight. I don't think they pick Jokic again to win it. There's a very few candidates for the MVP in my mind, just because of how teams have, you know, various star level depth. I don't think, uh, for example, Kevin Durant could win it if Kyrie Irving's there all the time saying healthy. Um, I don't think Jokic is going to win it if Michael Porter Jr. and um, Jamal Murray come back and play well. I'll talk about the Nuggets uh, on the next episode, the Western Conference preview and prediction. But I think Giannis will have that narrative behind him, even though Middleton and Holiday are there. I think they're a little worse than those other players I mentioned. Maybe, maybe not Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr., but the narratives won't be as strong for them as they will be in Denver. So I think Giannis will take home the MVP award. I think the Bucs will be an excellent regular season team. They'll host every series in the playoffs, except maybe the finals. I'll talk about who I have first overall seeding in the finals. The Western Conference episode, who I think will be better off just because the West, the West is not as deep in this upper tier. So, you know, the Bucs will be the number one seed in the East, at least. I think they're an incredible team. and Every Bucs fan should be excited for now and in, you know, the not so near future because they're going to be a contending team for a long time and they're fun to watch. I mean, Giannis is a, is a you know, bulldozer down the paint and who doesn't love that kind of athletic, uh, you know, I wouldn't say stubborn play, but you know, someone who's just not afraid to get hurt and is ready to take on the strongest of physical challenges. He's fun to watch. Well, that'll do it for the second annual Eastern Conference predictions and uh, projections or or whatever I'm calling this episode. Um, If you liked it, stay tuned for our Western Conference version wherever you're listening or watching this. If you aren't already subscribed on YouTube, go ahead, head over to the channel, or if you're already on it, click that red subscribe button down below. Click the little bell and you'll get notified whenever a podcast episode comes up or any of our other daily YouTube content. Uh, We have incredible series out on the channel. Click the playlist button on the channel to view all of those. Click the like button if you enjoyed the content. Click the description in both the podcast or the newsletter, I should say podcast or the YouTube video to uh, view all our other content, including the newsletter, uh, including the merchandise available on our website, including all the socials uh, on Instagram at Lots of Thoughts Sports, on TikTok at Lots of Thoughts Sports, on Twitter at LOT Sports Pod. Thank you very much for listening or watching this episode of the podcast and have a wonderful rest of your day.